Hey, welcome to the Preacher Curl Podcast. This is Cameron, and I'm here with my boy Mason, and this podcast is where we discuss the vastness of ministry, how we as pastors end up in the fetal position. So Mason, how about you start us off just talking about what topic we're talking about this month? Hey guys, yeah, so the topic we're going to be talking about in this podcast for this month is we're going to be looking at the very first few things that, that we recommend that you do when you're starting out in any ministry, whether it's you're going from college into straight into full-time ministry, or you're you're planning on starting a new program at your church, or, or just talking about that adjustments and life change in different ways. Um, and so it's going to be a good conversation. Um, if you want to uh, jump into that, we probably encourage you to, to skip ahead. But before we get into that, Cameron, let's just let's talk about a little bit of how life has been. You know, how has life in ministry been for you the past month? Well, I think any time <laughs> December rolls around, any pastor is going to say what word? It was crazy. <laughs> yes, crazy. You know, tired, exhausted. There's many choice words that go along with that. Um, because it's it's that time of season, it's that time of year where we are focusing and celebrating and anticipating um, the coming of Christ. And so you have Advent, you have uh, productions, some churches do productions, stuff like that. And so this month has been, it has been wild, it's been a roller coaster, um, but it's been great. It's been very rewarding spiritually and been very rewarding um, for our worship team for um, the ministries that are taking place within our church. Um, You know, one of the big things we're going to talk about it later on. uh, One of the things that they like at our church is doing choirs and choir specials. And so in order to facilitate that um, and make it, make it one of those things uh, that they, that they love and they cherish Mm -hmm. was I incorporated the choir into just the, the normal worship service. Yeah. And so that's just been so great. You know, we were, we were having, you know, eight to 12 vocalists on a Sunday morning, um, singing together and worshiping together and showing acts of an expression of worship, um, from the stage point of view. And, uh, it was just, it was so encouraging. Yeah. It really was. It gave people some confidence that they were like, you know, I'll be in the choir because I can hide behind the front row. Yeah, it's like you, you want to participate, but you're like, I want to be in the crowd. I don't want to be that person up on stage. Exactly. Singled out with the mic. And it kind of takes away that pressure. And and really, that comes down to the to worship to the worship pastor to say, hey, look, I'm giving you a mic individually because they all had their mm-hmm. own mic, uh, which is another story to talk about on a on a media based podcast. Yeah, but saying, look, everybody's going to have a mic. You're not going to be focused. This is just, you're all going to be pretty much the same level. Just sing as if you're singing from the pew. And they really did. They really opened up and they were able to um, worship, even though there wasn't somebody in front of them. So it was really, it was very, very refreshing. And along the lines of crazy, you know, on top of Advent, on top of getting the, the praise team together, on top of organizing youth events and all that fun stuff. We had COVID. We had a, a little bit of an outbreak. So then there was, okay, we're not going to do weekday stuff. We're going to keep everybody separated on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And then you had, um, I I now have two, I have, I said two. Let's see, I have now five extra roommates at my house uh, because Ooh, we moved. Party at Cameron's. That's right. Uh, we moved our friends 
into our house. They moved from St. Louis down here. And so uh, they're now living with their daughter in our basement with their two dogs. So that's why I said five. Mm. Um, you know, they're all at our house, which is awesome. We're having a great time. Uh, it's cool because you're like, all right, I'm going to cook on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Y'all got uh, Tuesday or Monday and Friday kind of yeah. thing. You know, you schedule it out. But it's just been crazy. But it's been a beautiful crazy. Mm. You know, I, I think of uh, there's a country song called Beautiful Crazy here, I think. Uh, but um, yeah, it's been it's been a December to remember. Ooh, you like that? Yeah, December to remember. Make that a hashtag. Yeah. Put that on a shirt. 2020 December to remember. That's exactly right. How about yourself? Man, it's. I was just thinking about that. I was like, the last time we recorded, even though for our viewers, you're, you're getting a new episode every month. For us, we recorded the first one at the beginning of December, and now we're at the very end of January. And it's crazy to think about how much has happened in different ways, uh, both with ministry and with life. Right. Um, you know, you're right. December was just crazy with all the different events that we had going on. Um, plus, for me and my wife, Jody. We had a gender reveal party that mm-hmm. we were doing at the exact same time. Which um, you're wearing a shirt right now. Yeah, I'm wearing a shirt that says the Dadalorian. This is the way. This was a Christmas gift, actually, it's from fantastic. my wife. I, I love, love it, it so much. Um, in fact, that's most of the family. What we gave each other for gifts were different shirts related to this baby because it's going to be the first uh, grandchild in our mm, family on both sides. Big steps, yeah. Yeah, so everyone is nuts about this and um, so it was hilarious at Christmas, everyone opening up a shirt and having some catchphrase related to Uncle Lorian. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like my sister, she got one. It was like, they call me uh, the ants because partner in crime is, you know, too long of a title or you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And, That's great. Um, my, my dad got a shirt says, you know, not your average G dad. And, you know, it's, <laughs> we had fun with it so yeah. much. Um, so it, it was great. Um, found out we're having a girl. Um, so we're very excited for baby Harper to be born in May. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the ministry wise, you know, we're, uh, you know, we, we made some adjustments on a couple of different things like the preaching calendars, um, mm-hmm. right now, uh, where instead of me doing the sole preaching, we've been doing all month of January, just interviews with different people. So I'll be up on stage and we'll invite a guest up on t- stage cause we're in this series talking about how we can, uh, basically make a plan for how are we going to grow our faith and trust in God in 2021. And so it's been a really rewarding experience, for, I think, for everyone in the church. Of We're inviting people on the stage who are normally not on stage and just getting to hear their stories and talk with them um, and come up with a, a plan for how we're going to grow. And it's been a wonderful uh, series that we're in. Um, you know, as we're, especially as we're looking to prepare to move into this building, which has been another crazy part because we're constantly there, uh, just about every day. Like even right now, as I'm recording this, there's a team up on the roof, uh, you know, patching in holes and stuff like that, as we're planning on moving from being a mobile church in a hotel to moving into a building of our own, hopefully by Easter. That's the goal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, we've been doing a lot of crazy work out there. Um, even for the uh, people who, uh, when we first bought the place, you know, if they were to go and, and see it and they haven't seen it since we bought it, it looks completely different, just the amount of work we put in there. Um, and you were just talking about at lunch how, uh, you know, for those listening, if you check out the Bluff Church on Facebook, they've got an album of all the crazy stuff that's going mm-hmm. on over there right now. And the list just continues to grow. Every time we meet, 
to work out at the, the gym, it's always like, all right, this is what we're doing this week. Exactly. You know, and that's the one of the few places where you can go online and feel like, okay, maybe Mason is a handyman, which I am not, but the <laughs> photos make it look like I am a handyman and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Gloved up, carrying an axe, yeah. you know, crazy stuff like that. Just for the photo shoot. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> hey, put him on the cover of a magazine right there. <laughs> That's what immediately just popped in my mind is those cheesy calendars with like the firefighters that you know the fire department will sell like oh calendars. yes what if we just had that for like community pastors you know like if, you know you could be january and i'll be like february and you know i want to be in a month where you wear a lot of clothes so put yes. me in december january february hey that's not a bad idea though we need to pitch that, that to the guys hilarious i really think that would be fantastic a now, community pastor calendar. community pastor calendar and the funds can go to Sleep in heavenly peace, or you know, yeah, you know, I think that'd be awesome. Nonprofit that that would be a that'd hilarious be, project. Where I'm writing this down here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of moving in and the craziness of your um, new church, I want to shift into kind of a phrase, and it's this: "Yeah, that happened." Okay, because uh, the other day we were talking about, and I said I said something about a guy at your church, and I was like, "The dude's a hoss." And you can see it from pictures. If you go, you'll probably see exactly who we're talking about. Uh, but tell me a yeah, that happened moment the other day. Yeah. So this was maybe a week ago. Um, and the guy you're referring to, his name's Andy. And um, Andy has been such a big help on this whole moving in. He's one of our elders. Um, and and he was, uh, we were taking down the loft portion in the back portion of the warehouse. And it, it got to a point where we realized we we're taking out the flooring and stuff like that. And we realized, oh, we need to take out these little uh, connecting joists between all the uh, the wood railings. And, uh, you know, the sensible thing would be to do it slower, get a ladder at each one, knock it down, that sort of deal. Well, um, some of us were in a little bit more of a hurry, I guess. And so Andy walks out on top of these railings and keep in mind, this is like 35 feet, you know, above the air. So he's balancing on these wooden railings that are shaking a little bit. He grabs a sledgehammer and then with the little joist in between his legs, just goes from one to the next, swinging down, hitting them. And, and I, I felt so queasy. I was like, he is going to like hit his ankle and break his ankle and then fall 35 feet and then be paralyzed from the waist down. And, you know, I'm trying to talk to him like, maybe we could do this differently. And, <laughs> um, you know, and understandably, like I, I've seen my own dad, you know, growing up, you know, he climbed a tree and he fell about 35 feet from a tree and shattered his pelvis. So I'm just like reliving this, right. like this is about to happen. And I can't talk to this guy into stopping. And, and like, I was almost starting to get like sick to my stomach, but he, you know, he was perfectly fine. He just like somehow was balancing from one to the next, swinging down. And I was mm. like, I could not do that. But I was like, yep, yeah, that that just happened. Somehow he did not, you know. And you can see the fine. determination in his eyes. Like he's he's ready to go. He's trying to get it done and do as much as he can in the time that he's. Yeah, I, I think we were taking photos, you know, not only to keep a record for everybody, but also I think just keeping a record for the insurance in case he fell. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> what about you? What was your, yep, that moment happened? Well, it kind of goes, I mean, not really, but it does. You know, you're talking about him swinging down. And uh, we had, so one thing that I've really been doing is incorporating uh, beginners into worship. Can't really hear them. 
Um, it's, it's an opportunity for them to get comfortable, um, being in front of people. And so, uh, our senior pastors, boys, one of them is wanting to be a drummer. One of them plays the guitar and Tyson plays the drums. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put you on drum set. Obviously I have people to cover that, but I gave him, you know, auxiliary percussion instruments. So I gave him a shaker. Uh, it was Christmas. So I gave him some sleigh bells. I gave him, um, some congos, bongos and a floor Tom. Now, how old is he? Uh, Tyson is in seventh grade. Okay. Yes. Uh, and so he's, he's big eyed. He's like, yeah, I get to play drums, you know, kind of thing. And we're playing, I don't even remember what song it was, but we're going, it may, it may have been Waymaker. now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> this is, this is the response song, the altar call, the closing, closing song. And we're getting into it. And then all of a sudden I just hear the drums out of nowhere and they are roaring loud. You can tell he's, you know, if you've ever seen the drummer that, uh, does sharp dressed man where he's like flinging the sticks over his head. Yeah. And, you know, that's exactly what I pictured in my mind. And I just start laughing. And after service, uh, the guitarist that wasn't, that was playing and standing in front of him and playing, uh, came up to me. He goes, tell me you heard those drums. I was like, of course I, heard. I was like, I'm pretty sure everybody and their mama heard those drums. He was in the zone. Now he wasn't, he wasn't dogging on him. He goes, but he's like, I'm, he was getting it. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I could hear through my in-ear monitors that dude was getting it. And I, all I thought was George of the Jungle was going to swing in because <laughs> it was the bongos. He was taking uh, mallets and just dung, 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 dung. Yeah. And I just thought, George, George, George of the Jungle, <laughs> strong as he can be. You know, and I just expected uh, that to happen. So it was one of those, uh, yeah, that happened. You know, but God bless him, man. He loves playing the drums he loves serving and so we give him an opportunity and as and my job is to just direct him mm. in the way that he needs to go as far as his music abilities and pushing him further and so um it was a great it was it was a good moment to have it gave everybody a little bit of a chuckle uh but he's been up there every week you know he's there he's faithful when he knows that he's playing he's there and so uh it's been really good and uh yeah, so as we jump into it, you know, we were talking about um, some, yeah, that happened or whoa mm -hmm. moments, you know, uh, that's kind of where we want to talk about with the with the first few things. Um, as we shift into that, we want to just answer some questions. We want to talk about some topics that kind of go with your the first few things you need to know in ministry or the first few things that happened that we're, we want we want to help not happen, yeah. you know, just being prepared because you can easily find yourself in the fetal position if you're not prepared. Mm -hmm. And luckily for me, a lot of, a lot of my preparation came from pastors that I went to college with who they were like, they sat down and said, Hey, we know you're having an interview with this church. Uh, and I hate the word interview. You know, yeah, it's there's just, not it's a, a proper term for ministry position. I'm going to apply at, you know, all of, all of those terms just sound weird because uh, it's a calling that's not to a specific church, but to the gut, to the Lord and to the kingdom of God. And mm -hmm. so it's really, it's just, it's a strange thing, but you know, they sat down and they're like, Hey, we know you're about to have an interview for lack of a better word. Um, here's some things. 
Here's some things to ask. Here's some things to expect. Here's some things to bring up. And so, you know, for us, you know, we, we've kind of talked about this, obviously, because we hang out numerous times a week. Um, but our first question as we as we dive into this, and I know we talked about uh, last week bringing on a guest, uh, or last month, sorry, for this podcast, and and Cody contacted us and just said, you know, hey, I'm having some family issues. And I said, hey, do what you got to do. Take care of your yeah, family. And we'll have Cody on again. You know, his uh, his role in the community, he serves as an online pastor. And it's such a unique specialty yes. that's just kind of uh, blossoming now mm-hmm. because of 2020 that we're, we'll definitely have him on uh, sometime in the future to just be able to, hey, let's pick your brain about this, you know. For sure. So I think that'd be very helpful. Um, but just looking at, you know, Hey, we're talking about how can we, you know, the first few things, how can we start off on the best foot? Well, I think some of that, before you even get into the interview, you have to kind of question like, what is your, where are you coming from? Right. Um, and what's then the, like the transition. So like, you know, what about you, Cameron? What was your transition for before you entered into full-time ministry? What were you doing beforehand? And like, Say, I know this is going to skip a little bit of the interview portion of the conversation, but like, what was the transition going from what you did before to what you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, from a, from a quote unquote job position, uh, I was a waiter. I worked at a restaurant, worked at one of my favorite places, Applebee's, Mm -hmm. um, and absolutely loved the job. And it was one of those, it wasn't a long-term thing. And I knew that, but transitioning from that into full-time is, is very significant, but I think what it did was allowed me to get comfortable talking to people. Mm. Now, granted, my job was to take people's orders, but it, it, it allowed me to uh, get to practice. Okay, I don't know who these people are, but I'm going to act like I know them. Like which they're, is a like, valuable skill. Which <laughs> they're my best friend right now, you know. Uh, but non-job related, you know, I came straight out of college into my first ministry position in Louisiana. And... There, we're going to ask some questions later that will really kind of stir that up. But for me, it was, it was a quick, fast, and you know what? I felt like it was God mm-hmm. because the way, the way that I tell people, this, this was my last, okay, graduated on Saturday, right? Married on Monday. Moved like two weeks later from Oklahoma to Louisiana. It sounds like that Solomon, uh, was it Solomon Grundy, uh, song or tune of like, you know, born on a Monday, married on a Wednesday, uh, you know, died on a Friday song or what? That's a good question. I don't, I probably know the song. Yeah. It's one of those, like, I probably know the song, but, uh, that's a pretty quick turnaround. It, it really was. And it was a, it was a huge life change. And I, I, you, I just was blessed with people who realize that they're like, realize life is like about to get crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause I went from single life to married life from being in college and being in school to having my own place in a state that I don't know anybody in. Yeah. That's a big transition. Right. You know, and every time somebody's like, Hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. I was like born in Indiana, lived in Kentucky, moved to Oklahoma for college, lived in Louisiana. Now I'm in Missouri. And people are like, <laughs> Holy cow, your life, you know, I'm like, yeah, but there are people with crazier stories, but it, it really was a really fast transition because, you know, the transition between single and married is crazy enough. Mm-hmm. Single without a job to married in a full-time position as a pastor is crazy, Yeah, you know? And so it, it was wild. It was, it was really a 
a roller coaster crazy whirlwind of events that took place all in one time. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just that's what I chose, and that's what God called me to do. And so I listen, and it's still a roller coaster, but I love it. Yeah. How about yourself? Uh, yeah. So I remember I, me and Jody, we got married in college, and I remember being. You know, one of the top of my class, I had buddies of mine who were like, oh, Mason's going to, you know, as soon as he graduates, he's going to have a job and a church right away. And they'd make jokes all the time of like, he's going to get hired. And then like within six months, that church is going to be like a mega church. You know, they're just saying that as a joke. And, um, and then the reality was a vastly opposite direction. So, you know, I graduated and then for the first few months, I couldn't find a job at a church that would hire me. Um, and so the only job I could get was actually a receptionist job, um, which was a little bit humiliating in some regards because I was getting paid like a dollar and fifty less an hour than my uh, teenage brother-in-law who was working as a lifeguard at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a little bit embarrassing when I had a bachelor's at the time and I graduated one of the top of my class and I'm a receptionist. Mm-hmm. And I was a receptionist for about two years. Um, and I was very angry with God at the time. I was like, God, I, what are you doing? Like, I've been preparing for years for this, and here I am. Um, you know, and, and then after those two years, I went back and got my master's. Um, and then after the master's, after a few months of um, graduating, I ended up finding this church, the, the Bluff Church where I'm at. But it's one of those during that season of, you know, that transition of from college to now I'm working in the secular world, I was, to be honest, the first several months, I was very angry at God. But then I, I look back and I'm like, I see the value in that time frame because God had to teach me some lessons that I've found beneficial now where I'm at because uh, the receptionist job was at a behavioral health clinic. Mm-hmm. So every single day I'm seeing the people deal with the worst cases of uh, of just spiritual warfare and darkness and people who need help and you're every single person you encounter you just sit there and think this person needs jesus mm-hmm. so badly and in a lot of ways it, i think god used that to hey you have this head knowledge of the bible let me connect it to the heart knowledge let me show you what this head knowledge should be accomplishing and should like let me see the mission or the the field of ready to be harvested and stuff like that. And I think God used that in a lot of ways, as well as just the simple ways of you have someone come up to your desk and and they are upset and they're screaming and cussing at you and they're mad about something else, but you're just the person they need to take it out on. That's a lesson I have found that applies to ministry a lot of times. 100%. People come in, they just like scream and yell at you and you have to sit there and take it and be like, they're not really mad at me. Well, sometimes they might be, but there's like, they're not really mad at me. There's something else going on. I'm the punching bag right now. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's acceptable, but I'm just saying it happens. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think I would have been able to handle it as well if I wasn't ha- taking it every single day at this other job. Mm-hmm. And so I look back, and I'm like, that was, I'm, you know, in the moment, I did not like that season. But now I'm really grateful for those two years of working that job and, you know, and, and working with people who some of them were Christian, some of them weren't, and learning how to have those kinds of friendships with people outside of the church. Um, I, I think it was a, a very valuable time. Um, you know, something I look back on, I'm like, I'm grateful for that that season of transition, which was odd. You know, don't get me wrong, going from that job to then working full-time ministry. But it was a season, I think, that was a very healthful, 
healthy transition looking back and you're like God really use has used that in many different ways. Right. And I, going back to kind of what you were saying about your friends, you know, a Mason's going to get, you know, we can, we can try to be humble, you know, uh, you're like, guys, come on, cut it out. But at the same time, you're like, I could see that being a thing. And there, there can be a little bit of an ego that grows. And, uh, even, I mean, I'm not excluding myself from that whatsoever. Yeah, no, that um, was totally me. That senior year, like after hearing that for a while, then your your friends say it's a joke, but then eventually you start to think maybe they're serious, which then leads to you thinking I'm going to be that guy. Right, and, exactly. You know, I think that was a, a very humbling time where God was like, yeah, so I'm going to, I'm going to make it. So the only position you can work is this one over here. It's the last thing you'd ever expect to do. And financially, you know, you're going to struggle, you know, you're going to be paid less than your you know, brother-in-law who's a lifeguard at the local pool. And, but I'm going to use this, you know, mm. so it was, well, and I, th- it was a good know, time like to take to, away the, the ego. <laughs> you've got to, I don't know if you did, but they have, you know, hospital practicums and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you have to, how to bedside manner, you know, mm-hmm. how great would it be to have a behavioral facility, uh, practicum mm-hmm. where you have to deal with people who a lot of times can't control themselves. Um, and, uh, and that's what carnality does. You know, that's some people when they, when they act out of their humanity, like that, they become like that. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, um, I can just see great value from it. Uh, of course, anybody, you know, like I had, opp- I had opposition to going into ministry growing up. Um, they were like, Oh, there's no money there. Mm. And, and I was like, you obviously don't get what a call is, yeah, you know, and how, you know, you get, oh, you're here at a lowly, the lowly receptionist position, but God's like, I'm I'm going to work it for your good. Mm. That's awesome. You know, I know, you never shared that with me. Yeah, you're right. I have never shared that. Um, you know, it was a, a very formative time. Um, it was kind of like I graduated and I was like, oh, I've got all this head knowledge. I know the Bible very well. Right. You know, and I've got the piece of papers that say it. And then God's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you need two more years of growing up in education before I throw For you sure. into the church. You know, so it was it was a good experience. Um, well, in that transition, uh, going back to the word that I hate saying, the interview. The interview. Okay. What? You know, I we had a thing called candidacy, which was just kind of a thing where. Um, if, if I'm saying if out loud, if ever I was looking or needed a a position, I could go back to the school, to this program and they would have a list of all the positions that I could get involved, you know, Mm. Hey, I'm looking for something. And then they would say, Hey, this, but also it's an accountability. And they sat down as, as we were entering uh, the final weeks and they said, um, here are some questions you need to ask during the interview. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we come into it and we may have, and I'm saying get a list of them. You know, we, we come in, we're like, all right, I got some questions we're going to ask. And then you get there and you just draw a blank. You know, but we were, we were just briefly talking about questions to ask. And I think uh, you hit the nail on the head. Because I think if you're applying somewhere, you need to know something about that church. Yeah. And it's good that like when you're interviewing, 
it's not just a time where they're going to be asking you questions. Like you have to take this seriously. Like you got to ask them questions to make sure like they might think you're a right fit, but you have to make sure, do you think they're a right fit for you as well? Mm -hmm. So it's a a give and take in a lot of ways. So you got to, you're right. You got to, and whether you come in with an actual binder or you just have a couple of questions that are tucked in the back of your head of like, I need to know these things going Mm -hmm. forward um, before we're, we go any further is, you know, I think very vital. Um, and I mean, we're sitting in a room in our church right now. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you just turned around for a second, that's like our history of our church, you know? And I think that's, that's a huge thing for us to know is who is before you. Oh yeah. What's been, what's your church done to the, in this community? Like what's your history, what's the history of the church within the community? Mm-hmm. Like how are you involved currently? And then maybe even what was the people's feelings or relationship towards the the previous person? You know, did they Mm -hmm. leave on good terms? Did they leave on bad terms and stuff like that? Um, Like, for instance, our church, you know, we're 10 years old. um, So one of the founding pastors, his name is Doug, um, is very well beloved in our our church body. Um, A lot of his family still tends, even though he moved to a different state when God called him to a different church. Um, he is still very loved and when he's in town, he'll come and visit and stuff like that. So for me, I'm like, you know, I'll reference him from time to time. Um, Mm -hmm. or, uh, I will, I I call him from time to time and just like, Hey, you know, I have this situation that came up or, Hey, um, here's this individual in our church, you know them better. What advice would you give? You know? Um, so that's a, a very valuable question of like, what was the previous person in the position I'm being interviewed for? what was their, like, what did they do well? What did they not do well? What was liked? What was not liked about them? And, you know, that, that central question of, was this someone who left on good terms or bad terms? Cause if it's bad terms then you need to know what pieces right. you need to help put back together and fix. But if it's good terms and we're like, maybe there's something there I can build off of. And I, th- I think what you said, you know, being able to contact that person. Um, I think of Louisiana when I, when I went down there, uh, their worship pastor had left and, and gone to some other state and getting to know that person, getting to actually communicate, Hey, how do I handle this situation? Um, if they're open to it, obviously, you know, like, Hey, you, you owe it to me or anything like that. But knowing kind of where, you know, for you in a senior position, you know, knowing how to handle situations, knowing, um, the hot topics that people really are are looking for, yeah, you know, kind of thing. Like the um, demographics of the, the people. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think of in Louisiana, the guy, um, and he's a dear friend of mine now. It's, it's kind of crazy. He went away and then he came back and took a senior position in, in a church in the same town. Huh. And so, you know, there was that dynamic of, okay, are we about the, are the floodgates about to open and people transition, you know, kind of thing. But it was a, it was such a mutual thing where it was like, hey, this is our home church. Still love the guy. Still going to go to his house for, for dinners, you know. And then we had a few that moved over to the church. But I'm in the same view as many of the churches in Poplar Bluff. As long as the people are in church, mm-hmm. I'm beyond happy. Yeah, because we've had people who jump between our two churches. 100%. And, and for me, I'm like, that doesn't bother me, you know, as long as I know that they are in church and mm-hmm. they're hearing the word of God, you know, I'm good with that. But you kind of brought up a good point where you're talking about like the, 
uh, hey, this happened at the church. And you're like, that's another question that to ask at your interview is like, what is the, the, not just the history of the previous person's position, but just the history of the church in general? Like, hey, did they have a crisis that showed up? Was it a financial crisis? Was it, hey, uh, the building caught on fire four years ago? Right. Or um, what's the thing that, you know, people may openly talk about and they reference or what's the, the what are the skeletons in the closet, mm-hmm. you know, and some of that you might not know until after you get hired, but that that's a good point as well. Yeah. Like, why am actually, I looking at a picture with 500 people in their congregation and now you're sitting at 150? Yeah. It's like, okay, you I know? need to know what, right. what happened here. For sure. Sometimes, you know, they don't tell you that until after you get hired of, okay, now that we've got you on paper and the contract, <laughs> right. here are the skeletons in the closet. But those are, that's okay. You know, the interview process sometimes still goes on for a few months when people start trusting you. But that's an important thing of like, I need to know what is the history, you know, and who remembers the history. Like, are we a congregation where everyone, you know, the church is 100 years old, but the congregation the average person's only been here for about two years at the longest. Then mm-hmm. like, that's a history you need yeah, to be aware of for you sure. know, on the demographic of, okay, you know, we have a constant, you know, turning door situation here. Like what's the, yeah. What are the histories? Like maybe, Hey, you know, um, it wasn't a staff member. Maybe it was an elder or they end up having an affair. And like, you know, while that wasn't your predecessor, you know, in your position, that's a history that has affected that church. So yep. then you need to be like, here's where the, the wounds and the scars are for the church. And to say, you know, we, we are looking at 107 years old. Obviously this is building is not 107. We've obviously moved since then, but mm-hmm. our church has been in Poplar Bluff since 1914. And to say that we have no skeletons would be an absolute lie. I mean, our church is 10 years old and we have skeletons. Everyone has <laughs> right. skeletons. Right. And so I think, Along with the history, I think just as important, if not more important, is where do they stand? Mm-hmm. What do you believe? Yeah. Like what are your core values and the yes. beliefs? And- yes. Because, and, and, and one reason you do this is because if they don't know, uh-oh. Yeah. If they don't, like, I, I would even say when, when you're on the phone with the, with the, either the board that's, oh, interviewing you or even the senior pastor that may have called you, whoever called you say what I expect at this interview is a, is your mission statement. I ex I expect, and this is, it's, you know, it's almost, it's almost like flipping the script. I expect yeah. to see your mission statement. I expect to see your ministries that you're doing in this community. I expect to see your core values as a church, as a board, as a pastor. One thing I like to do, um, so when I was in my master's, uh, the last six months of working on my master's and stuff like that, um, you know, every week I was sending out a dozen different resumes. And one thing I would always do is like, I would go online and try to see if I can find those answers myself. And if I got an interview from them, then I would ask it from them just to see like on the spot. Okay. When they say, here's what we're about. Okay. Is that gut response answer match up with what we're seeing online? So if they're saying, you know, like our motto is love God, love people. That's a big mm-hmm. thing for us. You mm-hmm. know, and we say all the time, we want to be a church for those who've given up on church. But say I asked them, hey, you know, what's what's your vision and mission? And it was like, hey, um, you know, something way left field, completely different than 
than though that phrase then right. that that shows me either that phrase is new washed that phrase out. washed out or yeah. maybe that phrase is like hey we we threw it out there because we felt like we had to have a, a right. vision and mission statement right. but we never addressed it never talked about it again uh, but we'll throw it on a piece of paper because we feel comfortable but mm-hmm. the people don't know it so like that's i think that's another important thing like does their core value and beliefs match up with yours and how well do they communicate and you know believe those very same core values and beliefs mm-hmm. so. yeah i don't think there's I, there is not a problem with asking questions mm-hmm. because it just shows it one it shows your sincerity your seriousness to the calling god has on your life and there's no reason uh to not ask questions so that cuz them getting to know you is just as important as you getting to know them exactly you know and one of the questions i think of is where do you see the church? And this is both to the board and to the pastor. Yeah. Where do you see this church in five years? Mm -hmm. And I think that's so big because, you know, you need to be aware of what are going to be the expectations thrown upon you. So Mm -hmm. if like you walk in and the church is like, say a few hundred, maybe two or 300 and you ask them, Hey, what do you expect in five years? And they tell you, Oh, we expect to be, you know, 10,000 in attendance, then you need to be like, uh, you know, analyzing, like, am I willing to be part of this? You know, can I be a part of this? You know, and and yes, in some ways you're going to come in, whichever position you're put at in specialty, you're going to come in and people are going to expect you to have a vision and mission of your own Mm -hmm. or to form that. That's for sure true. But you also need to know, I think the expectations of the people, the board, where are they wanting things to be? You know, uh, because I think the di- there's a difference between what the pat between the pastor and the board. Oh yeah, I agree. You know, because sometimes those are different. So that's another sure. thing when you're like, you, yeah, you want to. I, I think you you want to interview the pastors who are on staff already, and then mm-hmm. have another interview with the board. Yeah, separate. And maybe if there's a search committee and that's a different party, that's like maybe a blend and random lay people, then ask them as well and see how well like is there a a consistency between all these camps or is it like. The board wants to go one direction with the church. The pastors want to go another direction with the church. The, the lay people think the church needs to go in a different direction. Like that's something you need to be aware of. of yeah. Like, are you going to be stepping into this? You know, this mess fighting right here. rams. Yeah, um, fighting for territory and stuff like that, and moving forward. Or are you looking at like this is a united front across the board? Yeah. Now, granted, I'm not going to displace. You know. The fact that God could take two hundred to make ten thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying that it can't happen. You know? As of late and as of COVID, we're all the opposite. We had ten thousand. God saying you only need two hundred. Yeah. You know, we talked. We talked about that. Exactly. You know. Uh. But yeah, I think I think they. You want them to be, one voice. Mm-hmm. One one vision. You know, I think that's very 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 important because. Then you're not like, oh, I got 19 hats. I got to I got to juggle. Yeah. And we're not saying when we, we say these things and we're pointing out the pitfalls to say that's a red flag. You should not go to that church. Whatsoever. For sure. You know, obviously, you take everything with prayer and ask if God is calling you there. But these are just important things. So you are aware of what you might be stepping into. Mm-hmm. And you could be very introspective of is this a right fit for me? You know, is this a the mess I'm able to step into or is this the work I'm able to to partake in and be the most useful for these people. Cause there's a lot of times where it's okay to say no when someone says, Hey, we would like to hire you because you recognize 
maybe you're not the best fit for that, what that church really needs. Yeah. There's some, there's some self preparation that can take place. If, if, because if you know the questions to ask and you've already answered those questions, even the question of if they answer it this way, how will I respond? Mm -hmm. How will I react? What will be my impulse next? Like if you can be almost, we were talking about playing chess. Okay. If I can be three steps ahead, that'll make me happy. Mm -hmm. That will give me some peace and some comfort. And I think there's, that's why this, this quote unquote mini series for the podcast is preparation. Yeah. Being prepared is so important because I mean, it's every aspect of ministry mm-hmm. is preparation, yeah. making sure so we're true. suited up and, and ready to go. So true. So mm-hmm. true. I like that. So what about when say you're, you're not applying or being interviewed for the, the head guy, the senior minister or lead pastor, whatever it's called. What if you're being hired to be an associate pastor in different ways, mm-hmm. um, such as yourself, you're an associate pastor. So right. when you interviewed for your position, were there any questions that you had particularly pertaining to the senior pastor? Um, for me, there was, there was a couple of things. And the main one was, cause it, well, Ben is my friend, you know, mm-hmm. we, we knew each other before I came up here was okay. You want me here. You want me a part of the, the mission and the, and the vision of first church. Um, are you planning on leaving me? Like, am I going to yeah. get here? And then, couple months, year down the road, I'm going to then assume all of your responsibilities. I had a buddy of mine that happened to him. In the first six months he got hired, all the other pastors on staff were mm. fired or quit. So all of a sudden he's like, I don't even know everyone's names. Right. And I'm the, the longest running pastor running this church while mm-hmm. they have a search committee for a children's pastor, a senior pastor, and an associate pastor. He's like, I got hired to do just a youth pastor position and suddenly I'm doing everything mm-hmm. while they're looking to fill in people. And I don't even know everyone's names or right. the people I'm serving, you know. Um, yeah, so it that's can be an important question. You're right. <laughs> and if you're not prepared for it, you know, um, now granted, that wasn't really a question I was worried about a lot of, I mean, it can happen to anyone, mm-hmm. but that was definitely a question that was on my mind because I was like, I'm literally leaving a position that I, a place that I love. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm considering, I'm not, I hadn't already decided in my mind, made it up in my mind that I was going to, but I'm leaving a place where God has called me at one point in time where I'm, I'm serving faithfully. I love the people there. I love the location. Um, and now I'm looking at a new place. Are you about to leave me by myself? So I think, I think it's, it's a very important question to ask. Um, you know, I think. The figuring out what kind of dynamic Ben was looking for. Mm-hmm. Hey, are you looking for me as an employee? As a coworker? Can we be friends? Are we allowed to hang out and play board games on the weekend? You know, I th- that was kind of another question was, um, and, and, and nothing knocking on any, any, anybody else, but how close can we get? Yeah. Cause for me, I want to be, as close as we can get without it being weird. You know, um, I want, I want to be able to say, Hey, this weekend, like literally, okay. Just drove down with Ben. Uh, I don't think it was yes. It may have been yesterday. Drove down to Jonesboro, picked up a boat. He's like, Hey, you want to go get a boat? I was like, sure, let's go. Yeah. You know, like that's the kind of relationship where I can, we can talk about God. We can be, drop dead serious about everything mm-hmm. or we can just drive down to Jonesboro, eat Popeye's and get, get a boat 
and yeah. come back and go fishing. You know, like that's, that's the relationship and it works for, it works, you know, to be able to enjoy who you work with. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that was another vital question for me uh, because I, <laughs> I want to work with people that I like. Yeah. I want to work with people that I'm not going to just butt heads. Do Ben and I butt heads? Yeah, probably. There, there have been times where I'm like, I just don't agree with that. And that's where we left it. And didn't change the vision of the church. Didn't change any of that. It was just preference and we still serve and we, we handle, yeah. handle business, you know? And so, um, how about you? Was there anything I would, was this your, was this your first position? As a actual on position game paid pastor, yes. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of volunteering, pastoring mm-hmm. at a couple of different churches, which I think is important. Yes, um, that is very important. Um, just for building experience and learning like the pitfalls and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, this is my actual first. Like, I have the title after my name, right? You know, of pastor. Um, and so I work with uh Dave Elledge. Um, and Dave in town has a, a long history yes. of serving this community. Um, very well known, uh, was, uh, named uh, the influence or the difference maker of the year, mm-hmm. uh, recently, which uh, was awesome. Yeah. So I was very, in many ways, uh, some ways hesitant, some ways excited to work with him. I was hesitant, uh, because he's, um, about 40 years older than I am. Um, you know, he's in his sixties, I'm in my twenties. Uh, so I was like, there's a vast difference there. And I was afraid that our philosophy on ministry would be vastly different. Um, Which is even a good question. To, sorry. Even a good question to ask your board is, yeah. I want to hear from each of you. Are you okay with me, a 26-year-old, 27-year-old coming in and being your senior pastor? Exactly. But anyways, yeah, the yeah. difference in age. So th- that was a lot of conversations because I had been actually burned by a lot of churches during the interview process who were like, we love you, your resume is great, but you're too young for us. So that was the first thing I threw out at Dave when he called me. He's like, hey, we would like to talk to you. I was like, here's my age. Is that going to be a problem? Because I, th- I was a bit cynical at that point. I was Right, I, I just, would be too. Yeah, like I think a few hours beforehand, I just got the rejection notice from a church that I had had multiple interviews with. And then when they found out my age, it, it plummeted. And so yeah. I was like, I'm not going to do this chase again. So it was like the first 10 minutes of our conversation. I was like, you didn't send them scripture from Jeremiah yeah. or anything. Like, <laughs> come on. Or from Timothy, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, that would have been funny. Uh, <laughs> let me, I, let I, me, let me preach you something real quick. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, he was a very adamant right from the beginning. He's like, we want a young guy. Um, someone who you know, has a lot of energy, a lot of passion. Um, and so when me and him were talking, um, I think it was right before I got hired, like right before they pulled the trigger and said, yes, you're the guy. I was kind of talking to him. I was like, look, I, I'm, I recognize I'm coming with this youthful, uh, naivety where I have a lot of energy and it's very easy for me to think this is the way it has to be done or this is the right way. Cause that's, that's very prone with right. millennial preachers right. right now. Right. And I was like, I recognize that is the stereotype of my generation of pastors right now. Um, and so please, please call me out on that. You know, I, I had to do a, like right at the beginning, a lot of confessing of like, I'm going to view this. We're a partnership. We're co-pastors. We're going to split the decisions, but I'm also going to view this as a little bit of a mentorship. So please feel free to tell me if you think I am making a horrible decision or mm-hmm. if you're like, right, we don't need to do that because I did that 10 years ago and here's how it failed, you know, and blew up my face. It, it's good on paper, but does not work out. In real. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've enjoyed that kind of relationship a lot of times where 
Um, there are many times where I'm like, Hey, we need to talk and here's what I'm thinking. Tell me if this is a good idea before the board hears it or before the rest of the church or a different ministry team hears it. So, um, so I think it worked out that way really well for us in that, that interview where I was like, I'm going to be very honest of what kind of relationship I know I'm going to need going forward. And for him, he was like, I can work with that. And, and so that, that was the, the needed thing for us. And I think that's not, I mean, you all do co-pastoring, so mm-hmm. it works there, but it also can be in your interview process. Hey, what, you know, they're going to hand you, hopefully, hopefully they'll hand you a job description slash expectations for the job position focus sheet. Like that's yeah. what we do it here is position focus. But like, what are your expectations mm-hmm. of me, of this position? And not just like what like accomplishments were like, Hey, you're, or what tasks you're responsible for, but maybe even like what kind of man and leader do do you expect me to be? Do you expect me to be the kind who always has an open door policy mm-hmm. uh, who can be called at any time of the night? Do you expect like I'm the guy who sacrifices his family time to, to be here for the church? Like, is that what's expected or is it like, Hey, you know, we don't expect a, you know, we want you to only work this many time or this many hours a week or, or different things like that. I think those are good questions. Well, not mm-hmm. just looking at the tasks that are expected of you or the, the goals they want you to accomplish, but what kind of leader and example from the rest of the church they want you to be. For like, sure. Do we want you to be funny? Do we want you to be hip and <laughs> relevant, you know, or, right. you know, um, and that, like that, that list can be endless. Yeah. You know, cause one of the things that, that I really, when I was coming here, one of my expectations or one of my questions, not my expectations was, if I go on a youth convention and it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, do you expect me at work on Monday? Mm-hmm. Already knowing I want them to say no. Yeah. I just spent 72 hours with teenagers. Am I going to get some flex time? And and that's that our first answer was, Oh, if we would not expect anything less. I was like, thank goodness. Yeah. You know, like it was, it was refreshing and that's, and it's, it's almost like a burden. Once all these questions and these expectations are laid out, because I think sometimes a, a job description can be very vague. Hey, we want a sustainable worship ministry. Okay. Yeah. Now my question is, what does that look like? Yeah. Or or just asking them, like, maybe seeing how flexible they are. So, for instance, when I got hired, you know, the board were like, we want you to do um, at least 90% of the preaching every year. And so I was like, I looked at that and the math. And I was like, okay, so that's like four or five Sundays off a year. You know, and I told them, I was like, how flexible would you be on me working eventually towards the goal of I do 75 percent of the preaching, which means about once a month, you know, we'll have another person on stage because I told him, I was like, my desire is not to be the main guy. I want to develop a team that I'm working with, uh, the people can trust, um, you know, I was like that I think would make the teaching better for everybody. And so that was something we talked about as a board of like, okay, how flexible are they? Mm-hmm. You know, if you disagree on expectations, are they like, no, this is set in stone. This is how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Or are they flexible? Maybe let's find a middle ground somewhere. When I think of a lot of, a lot of that asking those questions and saying those things and prompting those situations helps them to see your vision helps them to see, Hey, I've got, I've got plans. I've got a vision, mm-hmm. you know, cause nobody wants to go to a church that has no vision. Nobody wants to hire anybody that has no vision. 
you know, Ben and I each each year uh, we'll do a what does this next five years look like? Mm. I like that. Because, oh, yeah, in the next five years, I want to do this. But if I did it that year, I need to have a new five. You know, because I think we really need to say these are what I would like to see. You know, our board currently has this is what we'd like to see a new roof on our building. We had to take down our steeple. I don't know if you knew that. No, I didn't. We had a steeple, had to take it down, was destroying our roof. It's gone. You know, I didn't even notice that when I was driving in that the steeple was gone. Yeah. Well, it it was, it it hasn't been super recent, but I mean, it was, I think it was during COVID. Hmm. Beginning of COVID, we were like, you know what? When it rains, it pours straight into our sanctuary. Can't have that. So it, it was it was easier to take it down and patch it and, and do all that. And now it's a new roof time. And so that's their their vision. So how do we get there? Mm-hmm. You know, and so may, taking those steps. But there was there's just so many expectations. Even, you know, I talked about getting married and then two days later uh, or graduating. Then two years later, married and then moving down here to Louisiana or down there to Louisiana. And there's even unrealistic expectations in marriage. Mm. I. uh Married a student of mine from here in Poplar Bluff Saturday. So I, I texted him today. I was like, how's... I mean, you officiated the wedding, you know, like... Yeah, I... I was like, are we going into polygamy here? No, that's not that's not happening. <laughs> I, I think I said that the other day and somebody gave me wide eyes and I was like, I couldn't think of the word officiating and I still didn't even say it. But officiated their wedding last Saturday. Yeah. And texted him today. I said, hey, how's the f- almost first week been, you know, and, and, and answering those questions. But it didn't go without me saying... Don't be unrealistic. Mm. Same with coming into a position. Don't be unrealistic. Yeah. Come into it saying, okay, this church is going to have flaws. I have flaws. They may, a group of them, the, the five to 10 to 15 that are on your board that are there sitting with you may be different than some other people's views. But we have to come up with a vision together and move forward. Mm-hmm. That's good. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of the expectations for ministry. Um, and there were a lot that, you know, were never met. Did you ever run into that? Like where you, you had your expectations and you're like, all right, this year I'm going to do this. And then you're like, all right, next year I'm going to do the exact same thing I had on the year before. I mean, think about it. Like my first year COVID happened. Right. Um, <laughs> well, so I was uh, maybe eight months into my position, and then COVID happened, and everything has changed. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I had we had plans. We were working on ministries that we were uh, hoping to unveil and roll out, and then, and then quarantine happened, and then, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden we had a building kind of fall in our laps, and I didn't think that was going to happen for another year or two, um, and so. It's it's been kind of one of those crazy things of the expectations. I, I'm not in the here's where I hope we we're gonna be in five years. It's more of like I'm thinking like three months at a time. Right. Some, but in some ways, I am thinking you know long term of like okay, so we're hoping in about five years we'll have the the building completely uh, redesigned the way we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, we'll be in there um, by this Easter and we'll do a slow build of things over. The well, and see, that's one of those expectations. Like you coming in, yeah, we got to get out of this hotel. Yeah, that was like I see that happening within the next five to ten years. Yeah, and that little was our did goal. you know it was, like, was happening. I was not expecting it within our first year that right. we would have already like 
in the first year of working at this church that we would have already been like, we had gone through COVID. We would have redesigned a couple of programs. We would have signed, uh, you know, the contract to buy a building and never expected that for the first year. My f- plans for the first year were, <laughs> I'm just going to quietly observe Much, everything yeah, right. and take notes and then roll out coming out after the first year entering in the second one with, on like, okay, here's the things I've observed the past few years that need to, or the past year that, that need to change, that need to be worked on. That was my plan. And then, you know, got through a monkey wrench into everyone's plan with COVID. Um, and so now it's, it's, you know, there is that longevity plan of, hey, we're hoping in five years and then maybe 10 years after that, we'll have everything, our debt paid off and all that. Like, I'm thinking long term in that regard, uh, but I'm learning to be a little bit more loose, I guess. Mm-hmm. On, yeah, know, there's, a, there's a flexibility that has to, yeah. that has to take place because you, what does it say? We have no idea what tomorrow brings. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we just have to be flexible. We have to be on our toes. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that we don't like, have a plan. plan. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's one of those we should be moving forward. And that's a question to ask in the interview stage of like, you know, ask yourself, like, where do I want to be moving forward? But mm-hmm. also asking the church of like, where are you guys seeing yourself moving forward? Are you waiting on me to come in and, hey, here, let me throw out the vision I have? Or is mm-hmm. it you already have a vision? And do, it, do I see myself playing a role into that? So. Yeah, that was when it came to Ben and I talking about that five-year thing. I said, man, what what ministry do you see taking place here? You know, and one of them, uh, we're still in the process of trying to get it to work out because it's, a, it's, it's grandiose. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I think it's important. To have your expectations, to have your questions, to know the history of your pastors, the pastors before you, to know the history of the church, to know the history of your church within the community. Um, we were we were delightfully um, told that we were the most racist church in Poplar Bluff. Really? Yeah, and that was surprising. And so what did I do? I asked people, you know? And so how do we get out? How do we move away from that? How do mm. we How do we so correct the correct that? view because mm-hmm. uh, I don't see that within our church but there may have that may have happened within our history and I we have to make sure that we're correcting that and making sure that we're working to bring community rather than divide yeah you know and and so expectations are crazy uh, but there's just a couple things as we kind of transition out of expectations that we wanted to focus on as we as we continue our discussions about the first few things entering into ministry. Um, there is a difference between not being in ministry and being in ministry when it comes to your relationship with Jesus. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, before, you know, outside of ministry, you know, you're really just focusing on yourself and your family, you know, inside of ministry, you're not only doing that, but you're also the shepherd. Mm-hmm. You have a flock. You're you're bringing guidance. You know you're you're in a position um, that requires a deepened relationship with Christ and with God. You know, yeah. um, an illustration that kind of pops in my mind, and this might not work or make sense, but it's like before you're in ministry, your relationship with God is like it's like a private garden. It's something truly special. It's shared just between you and God and things like that. But then you enter into full-time ministry and that 
tiny little garden that's private and secret becomes a park. Mm-hmm. And you realize, you know, the things you do, the man or woman you are, you know, or uh, what you're about comes out of that that time of nurturing and building that that secret private little garden. So like this relationship with God is no longer, you know, uh, just about you anymore. It's kind of one of those like this is what you now owe your people more than your talents and your abilities and your gifts yeah. and, and your service or energy and time. What you owe your people more is that relationship with God that's continuing to grow. It's like that transition is, is kind of jarring in some ways where you're realizing you're like, I went into this to serve God and now I'm having to adjust to how am me and God connecting when I'm all the time doing things for him and not spending time with him and realizing your people are benefited most from a deep wellspring of a relationship with you. Like mm-hmm. I heard another illustration is like, okay, my job is to, I have a cup and my job is to constantly keep making sure it's filled mm-hmm. um, with a relationship with Jesus so I can pour it out into others. But I, I, I always, love that. Yeah. But you have to go love back it. and get filled up again and stuff like that. Not to say that there's no accountability on other people's parts to um, also fill their cup. Yeah. It's awesome. Right. But like your relationship, you know, your service, your, the things you do comes out of that wellspring of, Mm-hmm. this private relationship mm-hmm. and it's a for me it was kind of a jarring you know it's something i had always heard about until i experienced it mm-hmm. and i found it to be a jarring transition like i was finding uh, and it can be very taxing because mm-hmm. yeah you pour it all out but are you getting filled back up yeah that's why i love so much when um first came here to poplar bluff um and this is kind of how you and me met were Friday mornings FCA at the high school. Yeah. Uh, both of us would meet there um, with all these high schoolers. Um, and I only had like, there was like 30 or 40 people and only like one of them was part of my own youth group. Mm-hmm. But I loved that time, you know, just being there and hearing a student or someone else stand up and, and preach and, you know, talk. And, you know, I remember we, we talked with coach who, who runs that ministry at the school. I was like, I, I want to be, you know, your D list guy, like not even your backup or your backups backup. I want to be so far down because this is my time of church because on Sundays I'm the preacher. And then on Wednesday nights, I'm the preacher again, mm-hmm. you know, so I need right. time where someone else is speaking the word of God into my life. And I was like, this is my church right now. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but it's what I need where I'm like, there's no expectations for me to pour out in anybody. It's a time for where I was being filled up. Um, and that was a, and, it's, and FCA is great because you can see the innocence of a student when they speak. Mm-hmm. Okay. But you can also like the people, I mean, we've said it before. Our, our greatest friends, or at least mine, I, you can answer for that on your own. Like my greatest friends in town are other pastor are the pastors of the other churches. Yeah, I completely agree. Now I have other friends that aren't pastors, but yeah. and we have but, great friends within our church and stuff like that. Right. But, and this would probably be a podcast for another day. Just talking about, you know, that, uh, making friends with people who aren't at your church, mm-hmm. you know, and just developing those relationships, especially with other pastors in your community. Mm-hmm. So. For sure. So that that one was uh, very, very helpful. So what about you? What was, you know, your experience of going from before your, your relationship with Jesus, uh, before you became a pastor, and how was that transition for you or experience? Well, I think the, the two illustrations you gave were, were spot on. Okay. Um, I lean towards the, the, the cup mainly because Ben and I have had those conversations before. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look, we, we talked about it coming to this position to our first ministry position. 
I was coming out of having chapel twice a day or twice a week. I was about to say twice a day. Yeah, oh, good night. All right. <laughs> but I mean, chapel twice a week, and then I was taking systematic theology. Yeah. I was taking church history. I was taking all of these classes that pretty much were Bible studies. How to how to how to study the Bible, how to read the Bible, how to write a sermon. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about homiletics, you talk about all those classes, and you're like, I literally was was so I was pouring into myself so much, mm-hmm. you know, and then we talk about volunteering. I, th- I was tallying it up the other day. I think I served at like 10 different churches when I was in Oklahoma city. Ooh. You were the community intern. I just, I made myself available and I said, Hey, you need something. doesn't matter what instrument. Cause I can play any of them. I said, doesn't mm-hmm. matter what instrument hit me up. Hey, you need a youth leader to play during games or to set something up. I got muscles. Let's do it. You yeah. know, like it was one of those things like college was such a, was such a time for me to pour into myself, uh, not even knowing what I was getting into. Yeah. You know, not even knowing, okay, as soon as I step into the door of the church, I'm emptying myself out. And it's, it's a, a weird twist. Like, you know, some, you maybe you're aware of it the moment it happens, or maybe you just, it clicks with you later on. You're like, I feel empty. Compared to how I used yeah, to feel. For sure. And that's where a lot of, um, oh, what's the term I'm looking for? Where people are kind of, it's not, washed out is not the term. Burned out? Burned out, thank there you. There we go. It's the opposite, wet and dry. Yeah. Getting burned out. is because they 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 weren't building themselves up. They weren't, mm-hmm. sorry, they weren't building a relationship with Jesus. They weren't filling their cup back up being in his word, spending time with him. That's why, oh man, if you're in the Poplar Bluff area, listen up right now. Okay. If you don't know Mr. Ed, I think his last name is Cheryl. If you don't know Ed Cheryl, he owns or operates a facility, uh, in town for pastors to go for free and just get away from everything. That's good. It's just a place where you can go and you can, do work, write sermon prep, sleep, whatever it is. Uh, it's a fantastic place. He contacts Ben and I quite often. He's like, hey, are y'all going to come up anytime soon? And we're like, oh, we promise we'll be up there, you know, and, and what happens? You get busy. Life. Yeah, life happens. Okay, and I love it. He calls it, he calls it Sabbath rest. I don't know if you've all gotten, if you've gotten information at your church. If not, I'm going to send him your information. So yeah, send me so, that information. You know, um, but he's like, I understand. I've been in the pastoral position. Now he's retired. He's like, I need a place here in Missouri where pastors can come and they can just chill. Mm. It's not a sabbatical. It's a couple of days. It's however long you need. Say, hey, I need a week. All right. Free. So really making sure we're... Um, we can easily pour ourselves out. Yeah. I could pour myself out to death, but what am I doing to, to build me up? Am I going to, am I going to conferences? Am I spending the day out on the lake with my senior pastor? Am I reading God's word? Am I reading books? Yeah. That's what I love about us. You know, like we're, we're just passing books back and forth. You know, you handed me David Platt the other day. Yeah. You had Kyle Eidelman. You know, and so the list just keeps going on. You've seen my library. There's, we're literally staring, at, staring at library. Now, a lot of these are, 
uh, like fiction books, like you can see over here is fiction, but you know, nonfiction books, you know, we're, 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 we, we know the importance. And someone's like, Hey, you need to check this book out. Yeah. And, and we could talk about this more. I think we have actually plans later on this, right. uh, this year to have For a, sure. a podcast just talking about self care and stuff like that. But, but this is an important thing that you, you know, for those of you who are, uh, maybe starting out um, soon, maybe you're in college and you're listening to this, or maybe uh, maybe you're in your first few months or years of pastoral ministry, you, you need to like probably consider this, like how has my relationship with Jesus changed? Or at least be aware of how it's going to change, because mm-hmm. um, it is going to change right. for everybody. So. Yeah, I think that's, as as we wrap this segment up, I think that's what's important. You know, as we're looking at vital things to tell you, this is just Mm -hmm. a a cheesy caption, vital things to tell you about your first position, your first interview. Um, Realize your relationship with Jesus will change. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. Uh, Not everyone's going to like you. Right. That's a big one. (laughs) Kerry Newhoff in one of his books. Oh, I don't remember what it's titled. <laughs> it's like a top 10 things you need to know. And it, one of them was just that. He goes, you're not as awesome as you think you are. Yeah, that one. That, uh, that I think that hits every past. Dagger one. to the heart. Yeah. Oh, man. You go into this and let's be honest, we're all people pleasers to some degree. Yes. And, and you're liked by most people that you encounter. And then you come to church and then you'll just find that there are people who no amount of effort and love and care will change the fact that they just don't like you. Yep. So, you know, that's a difficult lesson to learn and to relearn and to relearn and to relearn over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So it's very humbling. You know, the list can go on and on and maybe we'll, we'll we may have some of those, those vital, um, the vital information you need posted in the caption. Um, but don't take ministry lightly. Mm. Um, don't just go into it because your grandpa did it. Let it be a calling from God. Um, a serious thing to consider sometimes honestly and this is maybe the hardest part you're searching for a job and you you get a you get somebody calling you up and you got to tell them no and that's okay it's it's okay listen to what god has for you make decisions based upon his will and what he has uh and and everything's gonna be everything's gonna be okay um but i'm excited you know this is this is the first episode of preparation uh, the next one we're going to talk about is a heavy one that both of you and I struggle with and have dealt with and will probably always deal with. <laughs> um, next month, we're going to be talking about wearing multiple hats. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Now, tell us what you mean by that real fast for our listeners. Multiple hats is I come in as associate pastor. That's my title. Which is now associate what it, now pastors, what, classic for anything no one else wants to do. Let's, let's yes, hand it off to him. There's always a subtitle. There's yeah. always a uh, something that comes after that. Senior pastor. Mm. Which means visits. Which means going and preaching on Sunday mornings. Which yeah. means getting Bible studies started. Which means vision of the church. You know, like, yeah. there's so many things to go with it. Associate pastor. For me, worship pastor. Worship trainer. Youth pastor graphics and media website you know what i mean yeah. like answer the phone you know like exactly yeah and, and, and there's always going to be multiple hats but are you prepared for it yeah so that's going to be a really good conversation because both of us are in that position where we do a lot of different things mm-hmm. um and we touch into a lot of different ministries within the church so 
you know, that's going to be a good conversation on how do we balance this out, you know, like when you're spinning so many different plates in the mm-hmm. church. So And outside the church as well. Oh, yeah. You know, both of us are tied into some big ministries mm-hmm. outside of the church, not to mention our families. Yeah. You know, that's another thing you have to realize, too. So looking forward to it. Wearing multiple hats will be next month. I'm excited for that. But understand this. Our goal is to have other pastors and leaders and missionaries and and friends come on and be able to share their experiences too. So just be on the lookout whenever we uh, have somebody just, man, understand that they're bringing bringing what they've got. They're Mm -hmm. bringing their best. They want to help you. Uh, get out of the fetal position. I think that's the entire purpose of our preacher cult podcast is to say, we know you've been there or you're there now. How do we get you through that? But we want to, for those that are in Poplar Bluff, again, some opportunities, understand we're coming up. It's uh, almost the beginning of February. So that means two things. The second Thursday of every month, we give away diapers. I know last week we gave, or last month we gave out diapers, milk, and bread. Three vital things. Oh, yeah in society. And then the second Saturday of the month, we have, um, our distribution, which is giving away clothing. Uh, if you're in the Poplar bluff area, the bread shed clothing distribution trailer is in our parking lot at the first church of God across from the movie theater on the South side. You just pull up, open the trailer, throw your clothes in, drive off easy peasy lemon squeezy. And then the, the food comes from our SEMO food bank, a great organization mm-hmm. over uh, in Sykeston Cape Minor area, uh, and then we have Sleep in Heaven of the Peace. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let her. Yeah, buddy so make Sleep in Heaven of the Peace. If you guys live in the Poplar Bluff area, um, please check us out on Facebook and that sort of deal. Um, it's a ministry of all about getting kids from sleeping on the floor to sleeping now in a bunk bed that we built for them, um, and it's all for free. It's all mm-hmm. by donations only. Um, you guys would not believe those of you who live in Poplar Bluff, you would not believe how often our phone is ringing with parents saying, Hey, my kid has been sleeping on the floor. Will you help me get them off the floor? And, and this is a wonderful ministry that is desperately needed in, in our community. We, we, I wasn't even aware of that until all these phone calls came in and I'm like, this is a bigger issue mm-hmm. than I was aware of. Um, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's a lot of people who are constantly calling and uh, and so get on Facebook, uh, like our page. You'll be able to see whenever we have a, a future build day. If you want to help build beds, contact the page. If you're you, your small group, uh, a group of friends, a church, want to go and help deliver beds. If you want to help donate resources, uh, we need them, uh, whether it's pillows or blankets or bed sheets and that sort of deal. Uh, now, are the beds those. typically just twins? Yeah, all the, the beds are twins. Do you do bunk beds? Yeah, we will do bunk beds as well. So okay. we'll do either a single twin bed or we'll go in and put together a bunk bed. Um, so it's a great ministry. For sure. Um, and let me tell you, if you're having a bad day, nothing changes it. Then, hey, give a phone call and say, hey, can let's go and deliver a bed. Mm-hmm. And you go to a, a four or five-year-old and they are just weeping and crying and jumping up and down, all excited to be able to sleep on a bed. You will feel like a superhero and that will change any bad day into a great day, I promise you. It's fantastic. That's what the light of Christ will do, mm-hmm. you know. Well, we're going to end this in prayer, Mason, if you'll close this out and then I'll do. I'll finish with our send-off. Yeah. Uh, Father God, thank you so much uh, for allowing us to be able to have the, this conversation. Um, I know I learned a lot um, and we 
benefited from it. Uh, I'm sure Cameron was the exact same way, Father. And it's helpful just uh, to be able to think carefully about how we want to start off on the best foot. And we can talk about this all day long, Father, but thank you for just this brief period of time where you allowed us to, to have this conversation. And for those of uh, who are listening, who are maybe in college or maybe uh, thinking about going to ministry or maybe they, they've been in ministry for a while, we're hoping that this was a, a good conversation for them, Father. And we ask that it might be a blessing to them. Um, and that you continue to allow us to be a blessing to other pastors who feel like they're in the, the fetal position of life because ministry is hard, because life is hard, Father. Um, so we thank you so much for that. That's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we look forward to hearing from you all. Um, again, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, multiple, we'll, have, we'll be on multiple different streaming sites. You can find us on SoundCloud first off. Uh, hopefully we'll transition to Apple Apple Music and all that fun stuff yeah. so we can be further reached. Um, Leave us a review wherever you find us. Yes. Uh, like it, share it. Um, that way we can reach more pastors and be able to help encourage them. And just remember this, guys. When you find yourself in the fetal position, we'd love to talk it through. We'll see you guys next month. <laughs>